This morning's scripture reading comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 18, as well as John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind but fear your God, I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now from John. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good afternoon to you all. You look great. Have you guys gotten used to the afternoon routine yet? No, I mean, me neither. So normally I would take my nap after service. Today, I took my nap at 1 o'clock, so I'm really amped, and I'm going to go at 100 miles an hour, but we're really, really glad that you're here, and it is a time of transition. It's a time of adjustments, and on September the 12th, we'll be moving to St. Andrew's Church, and our service will be 1.30, so it'll be a little bit better than the 3.30 slot, eh? We look forward to that day where we can celebrate and worship together. Well, for the month of August... Um, we have been centering our worship on the theme of the good news. On the very first week, if you were here with us, uh, you heard Anthony share from his personal story of how his illness, the illness incident, really brought him face to face with the possibility of death. And he shared some insights and reflection with us on the passage that says, whoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Last week, 
if you were here with us as well, Danny shared from his life. And he shared about the witness, the cloud of witness, and his story of his mom and her friends, and how as he was looking for identity and purpose and who he was, he found his story in the larger story of Jesus Christ. This morning on our third Sunday, I want to focus on this very one simple idea captured in that familiar verse that you heard read. I want to see if you're familiar with it. I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. Okay. By this, they will know, or in previous versions, some of you might be King James people, by this shall all men know that you are my right if you love one another by this will they know or all people will know that you are my disciples if you love and I'm gonna add two words here in the John Sang version if you love and care for one another so by this they will all know that you're my disciples if you love and care for one another this is to say something that I think you intuitively know to be true. That how we live our lives, and in particular, how we love and care for one another, is a powerful witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, words are important. Please don't misunderstand me. And please don't you know, take me out of context. What I want to emphasize and focus on today is that the story of many people is that the love and the care that they have observed in the lives of Christians or the love and the care that they have received from Christians or the, that they have experienced has led them to investigate more about the Christian faith and for some have invited them to make a profession of their faith in Christ Jesus. I wonder if that is your experience as well. That the love and care of Christians has convinced someone to further investigate or inquire about the Christian faith or have led individuals to actually make a profession of faith. That's how important and powerful loving and caring for others can be when it comes to the good news. I don't remember when I met, first met Bonnie. I think it was a couple of years ago when we were doing some rides for refuge. Probably that's the first time. But Bonnie has been here since 1994. And if you do the math, that's like 27 years. That's a good long time. Bonnie has been involved with a number of different ministries here. And um, I really, really appreciate it to get to know Bonnie. I've gotten to know Bonnie through a number of uh, classes that I conducted over this past year. And uh, through that class, um, she shared a part of her story. So I'm going to invite her to come up and share a little bit of her life and in this uh, part of her, how she came to faith. Thanks, Pastor John. Good afternoon. And it's so nice to see everybody in person. Sometimes I jokingly tell people that I had to go all the way to China in order to understand what Christianity is about. In 1992, 
went to China to study Chinese. I think the seed was always planted in me, but I wasn't a Christian at the time. There was a young missionary in my class from Denton, Texas. His name is Lenny. Not surprisingly, Lenny shared the bridge illustration with me and explained to me how we were separated from God and what we needed to do in order to bridge that gap. I politely listened because in my heart, I believe there was, I believe there was some truth in what he was saying. But listening was about as far as I went. But over the course of the year, God was using this missionary to speak to me in a way other than through his words. There were so many incidents that I could share with you, but I'm going to limit it to just two. But all were similar and comparable. I remember one night, it was about 11 p.m., and we heard this massive screaming on our floor. We all ran out to see what was the matter, and there was a foreign one of our foreign students was screaming because the wire transfer of her money had not yet arrived in time. She was completely distraught and in complete and utter fear. I saw Lenny reach into his pocket and pull out what was the equivalent of $20 and just hand it to her. Knowing how short of funds he was himself, I looked at him and I said, what are you doing? And I reminded him that her money would arrive shortly and that what he was giving away was probably the last of the money he had to take him through to the rest of the month. He just very gently and very quietly looked at me and said, she needs it, I don't. There was another incident where there was a young boy just abandoned and lying on the side of the road. Everybody was just walking by and driving by this little boy. Lenny stopped, picked up this small boy, put him on his bicycle, and brought him back to the campus. He cleaned him up, gave him some food. All the school administrators were in an uproar, and they were screaming to get this dirty little boy off the campus. Lenny didn't know what else to do, so he took him to a local orphanage where at least they would give him some food and give him some shelter. Lenny was kind and compassionate, and he did it all without any fear for himself or any expectation of reward. I also watched and listened to him pray for all the other students by name, even those who were not very kind to him. He refused to give up on anyone. As I observed Lenny throughout the year, I realized that there was something in him that went beyond what humans could do on their own. So when I came back to Canada, I went on a journey to try to understand what Christianity was all about. It's a journey that ultimately led me to First Baptist Church, and a church that I've happily called home for over 25 years. Yes, my young missionary friend taught me about Christianity, but it's not so much by what he said, but rather by what I saw him do. I was so uh, moved and inspired by her story when she sh first shared it in our class. I just thought that deserved um, you to hear that. Thank you so much for sharing your story. 
You know, in my own journey of faith, I also had a similar experience. I was in my first year in college university. I was enrolled in a Bachelor of Science program at the University of Western Ontario. And in a way that Danny was kind of referring to last week, you know, as a young adult, you're trying to figure out what life is all about, who you are, what your purpose is. And I was invited to a fellowship group on campus. And as I reflect back on that, it was really the genuine love and the friendship of that group, which was key to me coming back to my residence dorm room one night. And there I surrendered my life to Christ and made a profession of faith to follow Jesus. In fact, in the area of science and faith, I, I had a lot of questions. Perhaps questions that maybe you wrestled with too. Some of these can get actually quite heady and complex and sophisticated. But I remember the love and the genuine friendship that I witnessed and experienced through that group. And for me, I was willing to suspend having those questions fully answered, at least for the time being, and put my faith and trust in Christ Jesus. By this, they shall know that you're my disciples if you love and care for one another. And the reason why I think that this is such a powerful way to witness to the reality of God in our lives is because it arouses curiosity. It piques interest. It invites, it attracts, it welcomes. But most importantly, it lets people see in real life what you say you believe. Now earlier we read a portion of the Old Testament from Leviticus. And it can be said in a very, very similar way that God wanted his people the nation of Israel, to conduct themselves in a way that demonstrated to the surrounding nations that the God that they worshipped was loving, just, compassionate, forgiving, kind, faithful, and true. So even as early as Leviticus, we see a list of instruction for the covenant people of God summarized by love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. Which, of course, we hear Jesus saying to his disciples in the Gospels. So in the context of John 13 in that passage, you heard that read as well. It's the great passage in which Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It was the time of the last meal, the Lord's Supper. There were just a few more hours of Jesus' life here on earth. He was preparing to go to the cross. And what Jesus taught in these final moments must have been of utmost importance. And so he said to his disciples, by this shall all people know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And he just gave them the best object lesson by washing their feet. In the first few hundred years of the church, it was the love and the concern for others that won over many in the early church, even those who opposed Christianity. There are a number of writings from historians that talk about the acts of the Christians towards those who were perhaps uh, the most vulnerable in their community 
Eusebius is a church historian, and he records this. He says, all day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. At that time, there was a plague going on. And then a few decades after Eusebius, the last emperor, uh, a pagan emperor, Julian the Apostate, he remembered and he recognized the love and the compassion of Christians. And he wrote this, when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then I think the Christians observed this fact and devoted themselves to acts of kindness. They support not only the poor, but ours as well. And everyone can see that our people lacked help from our own people. Friends, you and I might not be able to go toe-to-toe with atheists debating the existence of God. We may not be able to engage in a meaningful conversation with all the leading thinkers about how evolution and Christianity can maybe find some common ground and, and make some common sense. We may not be able to provide a satisfactory answer to some of life's most toughest questions, like, if God is good, why did he let my son die of cancer? But most of us, if not all, can learn to love and care for our neighbor, our coworker, our family, and our friends in a way that could remove a barrier, bring them one step closer, or invite them to receive the love of Christ. This really is the heart of what I wanted to say to you today. When it comes to the good news, it's a call for us to be the good news, to embody in flesh and blood the good news that God loved us first so that we can love others. It's a part of our scripture through and through. It's a part of our uh, tradition. It's part of Jesus' teaching. And it's a part of the reputation of the Christian church throughout the years. Now, what I want to do for the rest of the time that I have with you is to really offer you some down-to-earth and some very practical and specific ways that we can demonstrate love and care for one another. And I'm going to frame it in a way that hopefully you'll be able to remember very, very easily. First, we're going to talk a little bit about caring for someone's physical and material needs. And then we're going to talk about caring for someone's emotional and relational needs. And then finally, I'm going to talk about caring for someone's spiritual needs. So meeting someone's physical or material needs is probably the most obvious in the first things that we come to think about. Now, if someone needs groceries, we go and we shop for them. If someone's going through a hard time, we prepare a cooked meal for them. Uh, I don't know if you ever used this before, but Uber is a game changer for caring ministry. I can now pick up my phone and I could deliver a meal to David to demonstrate how much I love and care about him and his family. I spend a number of months at uh, St. Paul's. And it's the first time I've ever seen this. I could not believe it. We had patients who Ubered in some meals because the food was so bad. 
It was a game, this is a game changer. We can all pick up our phone and call and deliver a meal to someone that's in need. If someone needs a ride to the doctor, and we can, we offer that to them. This is one of the simplest ways that we can show love and concern by meeting the material and the physical needs of other people. One of the crowning moments of this happened during the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, you'll recall at the beginning of the pandemic, things were really, really weird and strange. And that there was a shortage of what? Toilet paper. So the first time in 25 years of my pastoral ministry, somebody called and said, I ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> and this person, actually, we chuckle about it now, but she had mobility issues. And if you recall, even if she could make it down to the grocery store, there was no sure way that there would be stock. But within an hour and a half, we got toilet paper right to the person's front door. It was delivered by an angel, a Korean angel. In all of my 25 years of ministry, I've never had to, requ nobody requested toilet paper. As some of you are really, really good at this. I know because I've observed it. You remember people's special days, you remember their birthdays, anniversaries. I have so much to learn from you. And I have seen your generosity. I've seen your thoughtfulness. And I've seen your tangible acts of kindness and love and care to one another. And many of you have a, a what is mine is yours mentality. And you're incredibly generous. And so in the spirit of Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. When I needed clothes, you gave me clothes. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And the thing that keeps me grounded when I'm thinking about helping and supporting and caring and loving people in this area is exactly this passage. I remind myself that whoever I do this for I've done it for Jesus. Sometimes Jesus camouflages himself in difficult people with thankless personalities. But I remind myself that I've done it for Jesus. That's the first and the most obvious and the one that comes to your mind probably uh, the first thing. As much as we do that, Sometimes, as much as we offer love and care to meet the physical and material needs of individuals, you come to a point in you, which you realize that there's no way that I can continue to meet all of the physical and material needs of the individual. I can help with some, and I can do what I can, but sometimes the physical and material needs become so overwhelming, it can be never-ending. So there's more that we can do. We show and love concern for someone, and that is to meet their relational and emotional needs. That well-known passage in Matthew 25 continue, continues with, I was in prison, and you came to visit me. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was sick, and you came to look after me. A second most important way that we can care for another person is to be present for them, to be available to them. 
to perhaps spend something even more valuable than your money with them, your time. We demonstrate love and care by being present to and with someone. And David is really, really trying to teach us in uh, his street ministries that he oversees that we not only give a person a meal, but we sit down and we enjoy a meal with them. Because we are relational beings, created to be in relationships, and that loneliness is perhaps one of the most common experience of our generation. So we visit, we spend time with people, and we make the other person feel loved and important. What do we do when we visit? Uh, I'm gonna give away all my secrets here. When we visit with people, this is the number one thing we do. Uh, we listen to them. We listen to them. We offer someone our time and we listen well to what is going on in their lives. For many people, when they feel someone has listened to them and heard them, they feel no surprise that they're loved and cared for. And I say this to all of the people who come to my caring ministry classes, if all you do is to spend time with another person and to listen, you've done a tremendous amount of good. I am convinced that if you offer someone a safe, gentle, non-anxious, non-judgmental presence in which they can share their story, their challenges, their struggles, their pain, their feelings, their anxiousness, just in that process alone, they will find healing. Did you catch that? If all you do is to provide a safe place for someone to think out loud, to recount their stories, to sort through their feelings and process them, you've helped the other person in a great way. That's one of the best ways that we can help people relationally and emotionally. It's easier said than done, right? Some of you who have tried. Some of you who tried know this. It's one of the most difficult things to do to listen well because you have almost have to fight every fiber in your being to prevent your mind from drifting, right? Because our attention span is so short nowadays. You have to bite your tongue from telling the other person what you think they should do. Right? And you really have to hold yourself back from telling the other person how to solve their problems in life and give them advice. So instead of doing that, I'm gonna give you one phrase to use when listening. You're gonna say, tell me more, and then just be quiet. Tell me more, help me to understand what's going on, and then be quiet. You're gonna ask those gentle questions to guide the other in terms of processing his emotions and his feelings and what's going on. And in that alone, you will help someone relationally emotionally. Finally, we love and we care for someone by meeting their physical need, 
We do that by their relational needs, and then we love and care for someone spiritually. We, lend, we learn to tend to what's going on inside of their hearts, in their spiritual lives, and see what is happening in their soul, the deepest part of their whole being. We offer what we call spiritual care, or soul care, or pastoral care. A pastoral here is an adjective, which means the focus of the kind of care is on the spiritual side. It doesn't mean that it's a pastor who's giving the pastoral care. Anyone can give pastoral care, spiritual care, sensitive care. So it's the idea that when you visit with someone and when you're caring for someone, you spend time with them, there is at least three people in the room. At least three people. There's you, there's the other person, and there's God. And your job is to make the other person aware of that invisible person. One time I was visiting with someone. I was listening to this story and I was listening to this story. And I was starting to get some sort of an impression in my mind. It came to the point which we were winding down and, and we're wrapping up. And the stories reminded me of the image of Psalm 1. So as I concluded, I asked the person that I was ministering to, could we read some scripture? And as you were sharing your story, I said to this fellow, I had the image of a person who was rooted like a tree by the water in Psalm 1. And I was flipping through my phone to get Psalm 1. Um, and as I was doing that, he said, Psalm 1 is my favorite passage. That doesn't happen all the time. But when that happens, it's magical. It's beautiful. You're paying attention to what God is doing. God is speaking to you. There's like an interchange going on. He senses it. The person you're ministering to senses it. It's a really, really beautiful moment. You know almost in those moments that you're treading on sacred ground and you know that the presence of God was in your conversation and you've tended to the person spiritually. Spiritual care, caring for someone's spirit, is the art of helping the other person see and notice the presence of God in their lives. And the best way that we do that is again we ask gentle questions. So as a person's telling you their story of diagnosis, of treatment, of surgery, of recovery, and you're listening, you're listening, and you're listening. What we want to do is we, tell, we want to tell the person, oh, this is where God is, this is where God is, this is where God is. But instead we ask, as you think back to your story, where did you see the presence of God? Because if they learn to see the presence of God in their lives, it is always better than if you tell them. And you're training the person to see the presence of God in their lives in the future. Do you hear that? So instead of telling the person where you think you saw the presence of God in their lives, you're going to ask, where did you see the presence of God in the last few weeks or months? or in this journey of healing. Okay. 
For those whom are not people of Christian faith, there are some other gentle questions that we could ask. Maybe something like, is faith important to you? Or things like, when you were growing up, did you or your family have any spiritual traditions at all? Or here's one that sometimes I use to a person that I know that's not of faith. In difficult times, what gives you strength and meaning and purpose? So you're asking these nice, gentle questions and inviting them into conversation. And these are the things that are deeper that's going on in the person's mind. So Jesus instructed his disciples, by this shall they know that you're my disciples if you love and care for one another. And friends, I have found very few things in life, in pastoral ministry, more rewarding than offering loving and caring um, for other people. I have in many occasions gone into a situation thinking that I was offering love and care to the other person and have left feeling blessed or blown away more times than I can count. That by following Christ's instruction in this area, mysteriously, I am the one who's been blessed and often moved beyond imagination. Friends, may this be true for you. And may we at First Baptist Church be known as that loving and caring community for the world, for our city, for one another. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.